The Origins of is a podcast about ancient wisdom, crazy myths, everyday objects, and overall the creativity and innovation of early man. Join Jesse and Olivia as we delve into the why behind everyday origins. I'm Jesse. And I'm Olivia. And we are here today with a mini-sode. We are covering more yeah. words and phrases. I think it's mini-sode four or five. I, don't I think really know. it's four. I think yeah. we did the Christmas uh, Christmas songs one was mm-hmm. our last one, and that was yeah. the third one, I think. So. Don't forget to tune in to Instagram for our mini-sode contests. Yes. Where you get to guess what phrases we're about to do mm-hmm. through some awesome illustration work by Jenny Wentling. Um, do you want to? Yeah, yeah, you go first. go first. Yeah. Okay. All right. So first up today is the phrase googly eyes. Yay! And this one was suggested, I think, by our producer who um, threw it out there. It's like, hey, what just what does that mean? Right. We know what it means, but what? Okay. Um, So Merriam-Webster, I'll give you the I mean, just in I'll start out with just the actual definition of kind of what it is in culture. Uh, Merriam-Webster says it's to be noticeably infatuated with a person. Urban Dictionary says it's not necessarily big-eyed, but involves staring a lot. Uh, Another definition on that website is just that it's the eye contact used to relay your interest in another. So him giving you the googly eyes or she was all googly-eyed. That's not how I thought of it. Googly eyes, I know, is like little well that's also eyes. i mean yeah so i was gonna say is that the term that it, it's literally those jiggly eyes that you use in yeah. crafting or yeah, yeah, on okay, dolls okay, or okay. puppets or small craft projects where you have the little shaky black pupils uh-huh. inside the <laughs> yeah. plastic eye um like the little plastic clear plastic thing but uh yeah so that's a googly eye as well um but it does have a, a, a meaning in in culture where you can give someone googly eyes or huh Look googly-eyed at them. Interesting. I didn't know that Have part. Have the googly eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, I guess it c- can kind of look like you have the crazy plastic eyes. Um, but yeah. there's actually an origin behind it. So, I mean, the, the term googly eyes. The It can be traced back to the comic strip Barney Google, later renamed Barney Google and Snuff, Snuffy Smith, uh, in June 1919. <laughs> what? By Billy DeBeck, who uh, did the comic strip. And if you look this up, and I'm going to post a little comic strip on um, the okay. episode uh, on, the, on the website for this because it's really famous. If you Google Barney Google and Snuffy Smith, it's now called the Snuffy Smith comics. Interesting. Um, it's, it's that really iconic looking comic strip. It kind of almost reminds me of Popeye. It's yeah. that style mm-hmm. of art, and it's just very iconic comic to huh. me. Um, and it's still being published, which is weird, even though Barney Google has only been has only appeared twice in like the last thirty years in the comic strip. Um, so he's a very old, old character. He inspired the nineteen twenty three hit song Barney Google with the <laughs> goo goo googly eyes. Classic song. (laughs) (laughs) And so I guess Barney Google with the goo goo googly eyes is probably where either the term for the little eye craft things or possibly where the phrase looking googly eyes at someone or, you know, like I said, the Miriam Webster says it's to be noticeably infatuated with a person. So you can, googly eyes is a definition um, and most likely comes from that song slash that comic. What? That, that was a trip. How about that? I mean, googly eyes. I immediately think of um, the little, the little things. Yeah, I wanted like 
one thing that always cracks me up and it's on Reddit all the time and it's across the internet is when people play pranks or they like you open your fridge up and people put little googly eyes on all of it. Like, oh, I want someone to do that to me. Every time I see it, I laugh. <laughs> yeah. Like every time. Even though like I know do I've people seen get freaked the prank. Out? No, it's just funny okay. to see your like milk have little eyes on it. Like yes. I just and I've seen the prank done like a thousand times and it just cracks me up every time for things to have little eyes on them. Googly eyes. Yeah, that's great. Yep. Well, I'm gonna do um well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Like what? I'm interested to know. Yeah. So it, it means to be surprised more recently, but if you get a little bit older, it actually means to like contradict something. Well, if you're gonna do this, then I'd be a monkey's uncle. Like we use it today is like, well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Like right, to be but surprised. It yeah, no, it yeah. yeah. The mm-hmm. earlier, earlier, early, early, early origin, and this is going to surprise you, is um they think, and it's not hundred percent proved, I will say that. They think it's anti-Darwinism because it was around the 1850s, which is kind Uh of when Darwin was coming out, where it was like, well, his thing can't be true or I'll be a monkey's uncle. Like people were actually talking. They were kind of like saying like, oh, well, I mean, it's it's as ridiculous as that being true. Right. Exactly. So Uh the whole monkey, like people were starting to get infatuated with like the word monkey and monkeys because he was kind of hinting that we evolved from apes. But, you know, that's not exactly what the theory says, but people just sort of simplify. Oh, and also it means like millions across uh, so many years right. it doesn't literally mean that in like <laughs> six generations you're yeah. go from monkey to human that's like I mean, exactly. evolution is highly misunderstood <laughs> let's just say that like on this podcast we have gone back years and years and years and years and years and we have never even touched to like never many like we oh, sort correct. of have done like well because we've only really been we've only ever really spoken about homo sapiens right homo i mean all the homos before yeah it was introduced into the oxford dictionary in 1925 um, but it was um first published in 1881 in longfellow's the sons of i can't even pronounce it it's like hiawatta okay okay it was out came sundry comic indians of the tribe of cut on with the growling downing beaver with the valiant monkey's uncle I don't know. So the phrase like monkey's uncle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it also sort of has good writing. alliteration. Yeah. Good, yeah. Um, it rolls off the tongue, you mm-hmm. know, but it, it had, it was paired with the, the beaver and paired with sort of like being surprised at something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it really started with like being, having disbelief at something like almost like let pigs fly. That's yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'll do that when pigs fly. It was like, Oh, I'll do that when I'm a monkey's uncle. And yeah. that, that phrase just sort of started. But then now, nowadays it really is used more as surprise. It's more of like, Oh, I'll be mm-hmm. a monkey's uncle. Well, I'll be. So thing? I have a similar use, I guess a, a word, oh, with, okay. a phrase with similar use in the English language, which is Holy cow. Yay. I love this one. So, uh, and I actually expected this to have a really simple answer. And then it was a little, there's a little more to it than I thought. So I just, you know, I think this was, I think this was from my dad who sort of said, you know, what does that even mean? And I was like, well, dad, it, you know, it's India because cows are. Oh, I wouldn't have thought that at all. Just holy. And he was like, I don't think that people know that. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is yes and no because technically yes if you know anything about hinduism or various religions in india uh cows are considered holy and that's why a lot of indians are vegetarian beef is not a common thing that people eat in india so you'll see a lot of vegetarian indian restaurants or people who they'll eat lamb or other you know chicken but not beef however the phrase holy cow <laughs> doesn't really come from that it kind of comes from a 
Well, I'll just read this description for you because it's really well written. Holy cow appears to have originated among baseball players. And I'll get to this. Uh, what? As a minced oath to avoid being penalized for using foul language, like in the actual game. Yeah. Right? Because uh, they, they likely played off the sacredness of cows in Hinduism to avoid the sacrilegious, in the Christian tradition, holy Christ, or the vulgar holy S-word. Uh, <laughs> holy cow may have been borrowed from a Hindu phrase, but it really is more about like a placeholder like you might say what the heck you know what i mean it's like a same if you're not if you don't if you don't want to be uh offensive you'll say that was holy cow yeah there you go now the thing about baseball players which is really fun and i didn't really know any of this because i don't really follow baseball (laughs) um but it was famously used by phil rizzuto and harry carey who were both baseball announcers so it's very well known in baseball you know, um, iconography because of them, which is in the 20th century or like the late, you know, like the sixties to the eighties. Uh, and I'm sorry that I don't know the span (laughs) of the careers of those two men, but surely some of you do, but sports writers were using it way before that. So again, I think it goes back to, they would be penalized in the game, Mm. um, for using vulgar words. And so I think it just became, it came out of, but it's interesting that it came out of specifically baseball. So either the players or the uh, announcers or whatever were wanting to express it express Hmm. themselves but they came up with a nice way of saying it and holy cow was one of those things so there was actually um a reference to hammering hank gowdy um famous for being the first major leaguer to volunteer to fight in world war one when he returned from war his speech was brief holy cow this is great and that's from the washington times in 1919 there was also a player called holy cow peters who played baseball in sacramento california in the 19 teens and the phrase was also documented being used in lincoln nebraska in the same decade and there was a quote about a baseball player in the new york tribune um in 1915 um so literally it's it's very old and specifically in baseball which I find quirky. So yeah, so he says um, this guy, uh, Peter Jensen Brown, wrote pretty much this awesome article on um, his blog. He went through a lot of old newspapers about baseball to find this. And he said, um, I do not mean to suggest that Billy Sullivan or other baseball players were well-versed in English Indian literature. Because remember, they'd say they Mm -hmm. could have been possibly borrowed from, you know, or knowledge from this culture. Um, However, they may may have had a general awareness that cows were holy somewhere and adapted the phrase (laughs) as a humorous neutral riff on more offensive phrases to avoid the penalties for indecent language in baseball. How about that? Yep. Holy cow. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to stay in the animal zone. We did monkeys, cows. Oh, my gosh. We did. <laughs> um, I'm going to do kind of something we talked about in our last podcast to this. Um, let sleeping dogs lie. Mm. Um, this one's actually in a couple of song lyrics and like I get it kind of, but I also don't because like I view dogs as very gentle and kind. Like if you wake them up, they just want to lick you and pet. Unless pet. we're right. talking about wolves. <laughs> As we, you may have listened yeah, on our, to our uh, domestication of cats and dogs. Um, but actually, it kind of makes sense because it's a very, very old phrase. It goes back to 1380. That is 13, 13, 3. 1380 is when the, the phrase was first actually um, okay. written. It was wow. Jeff, Jeffrey Chaucer. 
of Canterbury that's, Tales fame. That's old. Um, mm-hmm. He wrote something else called Troilus and Crusade. Don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, All I remember about him is that he wrote in literally Middle English, in yeah. English that we can't oh, read and I'm without, about to butcher without uh, <laughs> translation. Quote. Yeah. So in his book, it's, he says, it is not not being N-O-U-G. <laughs> uh, it is not good a sleeping hound to wake. And it's all spelled like English, but yeah. it is not good a sleeping hound to wake. Right. So he wrote the first, he's kind of the first expression. Cool. Um, but that's the first time it was in actual print. And that's very um, old. I mean, if you think about some of the origins we've done in our little minisodes, they're like, oh, you know, maybe like the 70s. It, it, you I know, mean, I mean, some of them are pretty recent. Yeah, so that's very old. Eighty, And it, it was referring to back then dogs weren't as cuddly. And we, we covered this on our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you check out uh, the domestication of cats and dogs, um, dogs weren't always, I mean, Sometimes they were, but most of the time they were working dogs, um, and they might be startled if you wake them. You know, if yeah, you're outside, and their natural urge is to to be go on wet. guard. Yeah, they snap the, and bark. They're not safe. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But the expression kind of means, you know, if, if you're in a situation where you you could stir the pot, well, hey, stir the pot. That'd be a good one for future. <laughs> if you could stir the pot, don't just let let sleeping dogs lie. Uh-huh. Like let let it sleep. Like don't don't seek trouble where you don't have to kind yeah. of so it's like don't don't wake up that dog he's gonna bite you don't get bitten just let him sleep it's fine um so yeah jeffrey chaucer 1380 it also That's was great. the motto of an 18th century british politician this is kind of debated some people said he never said it but there's a political cartoon or is this british politician his name was sir robert oh my handwriting i can't read it why was why was sir that robert his motto Mark? um it was just a political cartoon where he was like looking away like he was gonna poke the dog like you know when you're about to poke something and then like or you're like pretending you're gonna poke something to be annoying it was that kind of cartoon so the people are debating that like no it wasn't his motto like we just sort of assigned it to him but it makes me it makes Mm -hmm. me think of if you were gonna write a comic about that you know um if you're especially if it's a politician maybe what they were doing was commenting on his Mm -hmm. political um philosophy which could have been like laissez-faire or just not yeah. getting involved or you know mm-hmm. could, it could have been more a yeah. commentary on his thoughts rather than like his motto mm-hmm. like, that's what they said it could be either or but it yeah. was too long ago they don't have any sort of written proof but uh-huh. yeah 1380 is like the first time and in the 18th century there, it was being used commonly in like cartoons and stuff so it's a really old phrase and i guess it's uh, it's sounds smooth like let sleeping dogs lie like it yeah. rolls off the tongue so it does so yeah, do you have another animal one for I, us? Uh, I don't. I'm going to break the animal <laughs> trend. And I think that that is the interesting thing about researching these phrases is that um, some of them just are catchier mm-hmm. than others. And so they don't, or they're quite obvious, the meaning, but they just, the quirkiness of the analogy, you know, like yeah. something like let sleeping dogs lie. If it just, you know, we're like, oh, I like saying that, mm-hmm. you know ducks in a row yeah it's like, right. it just it holy just sticks pig around doesn't have the same no holy pig does not have the same <laughs> holy, holy pig yeah. <laughs> i mean maybe it could but i don't think it does so the last one i have for today is the the whole nine yards yay so this is a fun <laughs> phrase because especially because i'm in i am a quilter and i um crochet and I've knit. I, I, I have knit. I mostly consider myself a quilter and a crocheter. Uh, and so it's a funny play on, you know, that's a, mm-hmm. it's a funny play on that community where the whole nine yards, like there's actually a, 
yarn store in Woodstock, Georgia. That's called the Whole Nine Yarns, <laughs> um, and so it's just it just comes up a lot. And there's yards of fabric, and so it's just a it's just a funny quip you might hear in the crafting industry. Um, but it has a lot of other. I mean, people say the Whole Nine Yards kind of a lot. And the funny thing is, I may have found what people consider to be the holy grail. <gasps> of phrase origins and etymology because people have it's like a cottage industry trying to figure out what this word what this phrase where this phrase comes from and what it means interesting people have spent like the last 40 odd years trying to figure it out and there have been uh multiple different theories or um suggestions so i'm gonna give you some ideas and you tell me maybe which one you think oh okay Okay. I love that. <laughs> uh, does it possibly derive from the length of ammunition belts in World War II aircraft? Oh, okay, yeah. Is it the contents of a standard concrete mixer? What? Oh, I don't know about Is that. it the amount of beer a British naval recruit <laughs> was obligated to drink? <laughs> possibly it has to do with yardage in football. Uh, what about the length of fabric in a Scottish kilt? Or sari, or kimono, or burial shroud. <gasps> Do I guess? You can. Do I guess the most? Oh gosh, that's so. Tough. We've got the ammunition oh, belts yeah. in World War Two. We've got the concrete. contents of a standard concrete mixer. The amount of beer a British naval recruit would be obligated to drink, and then yards in football, and then the length of fabric of either a kilt, sari, kimono, bear, you know, you get it, the the little yeah. yards of fabric. I associate that phrase with sports, mm-hmm. like he's got and the whole nine yards. Like I don't see it as like a crafting thing. Uh-huh. Maybe that's just how I've heard it. No, in no, my but head. I mean, I think that's it's just depends on what you pay attention to. Yeah, and I hear a man saying it. Like yeah. I don't hear a woman saying and and the, you know the whole nine yards. Like I for some reason I hear like a, like a gruff guy or sports so i would guess all of the concrete sports stuff i don't you know that's that's where my mind goes okay um so basically if you type that into google you'll get probably any of these answers it's all kind of like i Mm. said cottage industry where there's going to be people who think oh no it was definitely this like they'll point to this evidence it was definitely this definitely got a controversy right sort Mm -hmm. of a mysterious um and everything that you find will quote some vaguely remembered something about someone's great uncle. Like it just doesn't, yeah. there's not evidence. Right. So we continue to have this debate. Why I said, hence why I said the Holy grail. Um, so basically, uh, in 2012, uh, someone reported in the New York times on, Hey guys, whoop, we found, we found something what? really significant about the origin of this. And it is not only, None of the above. What? Uh, it's not even nine yards. <gasps> Apparently, the older term is the whole six yards. What? <laughs> Did someone flip the... What? How? So there's, in a surprise twist, uh, apparently the older phrase where they found it now in newspapers from the 1910s, just as a common, like, um, blah, 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 and the whole six yards. And it just doesn't six, seem as... It doesn't. Oof. No, it doesn't. It's like saying holy pig. Yeah. <laughs> holy uh, pig. But basically four <laughs> decades earlier than the earliest known references to the whole nine yards, which are all sorts of those other mm-hmm. theories, which again, aren't really backed in anything, in anything concrete, um, opens up 
a new window into the most prominent etymological riddle of our time, right? So there was a um, person in William Sapphire who was a politics and language columnist for the New York Times like back in the 70s or 80s who like specifically chided this other guy for being like, uh, he said it was this, that, or the other. And it's clearly, <gasps> and he, lent, he mentioned the concrete uh, mixer, like the dump truck kind of thing where he was like, uh, it's clearly this one. And anyone else who disagrees is basically an idiot. <gasps> and he had written like nine or 10 articles about like this phrase oh specifically. Gosh. And he was wrong. Um, but critically, this uh, researcher, editor at large of Oxford English Dictionary, uh, Jesse Scheidlauer, um, uh, speaking on this whole six yard variant, uh, he said it shows pretty clearly that this is not about yards of anything. It's just a random number that we've picked that we like that sounds good to sort of say, and the whole nine yards, like just sort of means mm. and everything in between yeah. or everything that that topic would encompass, sort of like etc. You know, blah yeah. blah blah, and the whole nine yards. That it actually have... was six yards. <laughs> that is. A trip. That's insane. Yeah. But so I encourage you to go look it up more mm-hmm. because there is so much that's been written and said about this huh. specific phrase. I gave you guys kind of the spoiler of the most uh, <laughs> current update on that. But there is, I mean, people have been researching this this phrase that's for crazy. like 40 years. That is insane that people mm-hmm. just like the Holy dedicate Man. themselves to that. Yep. Um. Yeah, my last one is not as hotly. <laughs> um, last one's in a pickle. If you're finding yourself in a yes. pickle. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. What does that mean? <laughs> right. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we, when I say I'm in a pickle, it means I'm in a tough spot. Yeah, like, absolutely. I, something's mm-hmm. tricky and I'm. Uh, in the sandlot, he gets himself oh, okay. into the biggest pickle. Yes. Okay. Any of us had ever seen. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. This this actually has a really long and kind of winding. Oh, I'm, I'm And down I have for a lot it. of quotes, and I they're on my phone. So, <laughs> sorry, while well, I pull up the stuff. So, it's a lot of different spots. So, we're going to kind of start. I'm going to start chronologically and go back to what they think it was, which was Dutch. And it was a Dutch word. And what they used to do, um, you know how you would say you're slant or hammered, you're hammered or you feel like, what are some other words for being drunk? Like, uh, sloshed. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. All those words. Um, well, they think three sheets to the wind. <laughs> yes. That would be a fun one. Yeah, to do. Would be. <laughs> uh, well, they think that that's actually the Dutch version of being oh, drunk because a pickle. a pickle was, you had to be saturated <gasps> oh, in right. the stuff to, you've been to fermenting. Yes. <laughs> They think. But how did that get to be like a tough spot? Well, so a long, long time ago, um, not a long, long time ago. I'm going to put in a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) Um, They actually would put pickles into like a stew, like putting like vinaigrette, vinaigrized. Yeah. I don't know what the word is for putting things with vinegar, pickled things things, into a stew Mm -hmm. gave them, give it more flavor. So a lot of times you would see like a pot with a bunch of stuff in it and then there would be like a random pickle floating around that would just be added. Like a bay leaf. What is it even there for? (laughs) So people would say, you know, oh, it's, you're in a pickle. Like you're the person that's a pickle that's kind of floating around in this stew, kind of feeling like (laughs) lost and wandering. Like, what are you doing in there? You're not a meat. You're not a vegetable. You're just sort of hanging out. Oh my God. So that's kind of what they think. It's like the old, old version um, of the drunk being thing in a or the stew. Yeah, or either both. or kind of okay. both. Just being just pickles being a very large <laughs> cultural cultural thing. But it shows up in a couple of spots in literature. Um, most notably, 
Shakespeare. Um, and he's been the origin of a couple things we've done yeah, before. Shakespeare yeah, Shakespeare. But actually, I'm going to go even older because Shakespeare is a 16 something. And then I'm going to go to an old poem from John Haywood's 1562 pro- Proverbs. Time is tickle, chance is fickle, <gasps> man is brickle, frailties pickle, pudrith mickle, seasoning lickle. <laughs> Do you know that? No, oh, but it's just... so fun. <laughs> I usually hate poetry. I just don't. I don't have time Oops. for all of the meaning around it. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a that is a poem I can get behind. Well, <laughs> yeah. So it's frailties pickle. So that's kind of the first time that they. Apparently, it does actually mean that like uh, the frailties are in a pickle. Something's in a pickle. They they kind of go on. I am putting huh. it on a website so you can. There's actually a whole article about the being in a pickle. <laughs> Um, that's awesome yeah it's crazy so then shakespeare about 100 years later in 1610 said this is actually in the tempest yes i don't check that the tempest alonso says and trinculo is reeling ripe where should they find this grand liquor that hath gilded them how camest thou in this pickle and then trinculo was i don't know how i'm saying and does that mean that like you're in trouble in, okay mm-hmm. yeah then he says I have been in such a pickle since I saw uh-huh. you last that I fear me will never out of my bones. I shall not fear fly blowing. So it was actually like Shakespeare was using it in the 1600s to, oh, wow. to, to mean I'm I'm in trouble. I'm in a pickle. Or or even I mean that if he's like dealing with love or something might also just mean he's in a rough spot or he's in a yeah. he's he's floundering mm-hmm. in a stew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. But the article that I'm going to link kind of, there's like a humongous article from Bon Appetit about the phrase in a pickle. Oh. Um, it's really well researched. And he actually argues that if you take, take the phrase and um, un-Shakespeare, you know how Shakespeare talks in that like, yeah, da, yeah, da, yeah. Da, da. Uh-huh. he actually argues that it could be that they woke up drunk. Like how, how did you wake up drunk? Like, why are you in a pickle? Uh-huh. Like, why are you fermented? So we kind of don't really know when it's, it's interpretation. being used yeah. each way, uh-huh. but we have grabbed it to mean we're in trouble. In a pickle. A la The Sandlot, guys. <laughs> One of my most favorite movies. But it's just also fun to say. Pickle's uh-huh. a funny word. Oh, no, it is. It's a great word. Pickle. To yeah. pickle something. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great word. We actually talked about pickling. Remember, because uh, I said, oh, you know how pickle means. With... Yeah, was was it the, were we talking about gingerbread? No. Oh, I think maybe. I don't know. pickled old things, but it's, yeah, like a cucumber is a is a pickled cucumber. So it just became yeah, the word the pickle. The word to could, pickle, because you can pickle right, you can radishes. Pickle, you could pickle, yes. I don't know why radishes came up, but they did. You can pickle onions. You can pickle. Yeah, pickled um, onions are delicious on a charcuterie board, just uh-huh. so you guys know. Everyone yeah. should. We're, we're big fans of charcuterie yeah. boards. <laughs> Everyone should pickle their onions and pickle their stuff before beforehand. Yeah. Well, that's that's all my phrases. Yeah, that was, that was a good good one. For I little, love that. I actually animals. want to read that that yeah. article. I It'll be on the fantastic. website, and I will send it over to you specifically. I just love what when people fun. get passionate about stuff, which is why we we're doing this podcast. But exactly, we love it when other people are passionate about well, random things. Well, that's actually what I love about what we're doing is because it's not that you guys couldn't go Google this stuff <laughs> and possibly check yeah. out a library book mm-hmm. and read some of the stuff that we're doing. But it but it's just um, almost like putting all these exciting ideas in one place. Mm-hmm. Because for example, um, the whole nine yards yards, someone has gone and done all this research, and I think you guys should know about it. I think you guys should go <laughs> and uh, you should know that it's been something that's been hotly debated for 40 years and you should know that there's this great Bon Appetit article about pickling so it's not that we are trying to take credit for anyone's Mm -hmm. 
research, but just that we're making it. Yeah. Uh, a discussion so you can point and available to the masses, and hopefully you can go learn, or at least just know something new that you didn't mm-hmm. know yesterday. Yeah. So. All right, that's it for our mini so We'll see you next time. If you're interested in reading more on any of the things we've discussed on this podcast, you can check us out online at theoriginsofpodcast.com. You can also support us online at Patreon at patreon.com slash theoriginsofpodcast. Follow us on Instagram at the Origins of Podcast to keep up with our mini sewed challenges and any other content that we post there. This episode was produced in Atlanta, Georgia by Johnny Stubbs. Who's the greatest lover that this country ever knew? Who's the man that Valentino takes his hat off to? No, it isn't Douglas Fairbanks that the ladies rave about. When he arrived to make the wife chase all their husbands out. Why, it's a Barney Google with a goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-go